Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. You got a copy of the Word? Open up to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We're going to look at two verses today. Verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14. And we will look at the come today to honor and remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. This week we'll pray together in celebration of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. I have put together a, a three-day prayer guide for our body as you leave today. There'll be people at the door. You pick one up for you individually, for your family, something that will keep us as a body pointed together in prayer. We're going to pray Thursday, Friday, and Saturday together. There'll be an opportunity here on Thursday and Friday at 7 a.m. to pray corporately. Whoever can, whatever the Lord calls you to do, come. Come for a short time, come for a long time, whatever the Lord calls you to do. On Saturday, we'll have the doors open from 8 to 8 in room 301. We're going to come together and take a prayer journey uh, centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, His life, His death, and His resurrection. And what we're praying for is that the Holy Spirit would just pour Himself out on us with His resurrection power at this Easter time of year. So you mark that down as we pray together as a body. Uh, Lord Jer led me to Jeremiah 33, 3. He said this, call unto me. And I will answer and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And that's what we're asking for in prayer this week. Got a copy of the Word we're talking about. Above all, we're preaching about my favorite subject, the Lord Jesus Christ and His position in this universe and in our lives today. Above all is where He is at. The teaching of the book of Colossians concerning Jesus Christ is essentially that. One writer said it this way, He is the sum of all spiritual things. It's all Jesus Christ. If you put them all together, it's Him. He's above everything in that realm. Especially chapter 1 of the book, which we've been milking very heavily. Above all means this, preeminent, incomparable, absolutely supreme. We're saying that Christ is unique, that there is nobody else like Him. How many of y'all have found in your life that there's just nobody like the Lord Jesus Christ? Haven't you found that? Man, praise be unto God. He's unique. We're saying that He's undeniable. Man, we might debate it. We might even deny that He even exists. Well, let me let you in on something. That doesn't change the facts at all. He still is who He said He was, and He always shall be, in spite of my opinion of Him. We're saying that He's unrivaled. That means that nobody else has a chance in this world of even approaching who he is and dethroning him from his position in which he sits. We've seen this nature in the life of the Christian so far. We've seen that Jesus Christ must be above all in the heart and the hope of the Christian. Why in the heart? Because he's done what no one else could for you. Why in our hopes? Why in our earnest expectations? Because he can do what no one else can do for you. There are things you need done in your life, let me tell you today, that nobody but Jesus can do for you. There are things that you're going to have to have done in the future. And let me tell you, there's nobody but the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be able to do those things for you. So he needs to be above of all in all of our hopes hopes are not wishful thinking it's not just man I, I just hope this happened and the word hope means my earnest expectation it means that this is going to happen just stand there and watch it come to pass I'm certain of it and man I'm trusting Jesus Christ for all my tomorrows how many of y'all today could give him a praise and say that trust is rightly placed that you trust him with all that's coming in your life down the road 
We need to put him above all in our hearts and in our hopes. Secondly, not only in the Christian does he need to be above all. Paul says he is above all in creation. We learned that all things are by him. If you want to know who made this earth, it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. All things are by him. All things are for him. Why did he make it? Well, he made it for his glory. He made it for his honor, and he made it for his praise. We see also that all things are after him, that he was here before anything. He was first. We see that all things Things are dependent on him. We learn that by him, all things consist. He is above all, supremely, sits on the throne of this universe. Its operation depends completely on him today. Today, I want to introduce this thought, and we're going to spend a, a couple of weeks here, especially wrapped right around Easter. We want to consider this thought that he is above all in salvation. That he is above all in salvation. You know, the disciples in Acts chapter 4, when they were arrested there, uh, Peter and John, and, and they castigated them and told them, don't be talking about this Jesus again. They made a statement in their rebuttal, and it reads this way. It says, there is no other hope for salvation. There is no other name through which. There is no one else that we can count on. There is salvation in and through no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How many of y'all know that salvation is caught up in one person and one person alone? It's caught up in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If I get to glory, and I expect to one of these days, it's going to be by way of the cross of Calvary and the life and the work of Jesus Christ, the only begotten of God. We'll get there, not by our effort or not by our earnestness. The only way we'll get there is by the way that we've sung today, by the precious blood of the Lamb of God without blemish and without spot. Isn't it well said? Behold, the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. How many of y'all are trusting in Him today to take away your sin and deliver you and save you, not just temporally, but eternally? Praise be unto God. We must trust in Him. He is above all in salvation. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 begins our thoughts in these processes and it echoes the statement that these two bold men made in Acts. It reads this way. Who? That means Jesus. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us, delivered. You ought to circle that word, translated. You ought to circle that word. He has translated us into the kingdom of of his dear son. I love verse 14. In whom, and that means Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I remember when I went to school up at UNCA, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago that was. My gray hair probably betrays it. It hadn't been two or three. That's been a long time ago now. I took a little course called Computer Architecture, Hardware and Software Design. That's what I did in my undergraduate work. The first class we had in computer programming was a class called Algorithmic Design. And if you're an engineer in here or anybody in a technical field, you've had some training in Algorithmic Design. It's the process of taking one task and developing an algorithm to be able to satisfy your desires. It's a process of seeing one goal up here and then being able to break that down until you get so deep that it's just in single steps that you take to be able to satisfy that goal. So you design an algorithm, a plan, a pattern to be able to reach it. And man, I learned that some of the simplest notions in life, well, there was a lot more going on uh, than I thought to be able to accomplish a thing. 
And that's true in life, man. When we get to see, when we get to looking at little things in life, we find that on the surface, they may be simple, but underneath, there's far more going on than meets the eye. You take something simple like going to the store. Man, that seems like a simple task. Well, I'm just going to the store. How many times do we say that? I'm just heading to the store. Well, that sounds simple, but when you get to thinking about what it takes for you to go to the store, man, there's a whole lot more going on than meets the eye, and you just head to the store. Well, what do you have to do? Well, I have to convince myself to get up. I have to convince myself to get up off the couch. Uh, man, I have to convince myself to move a little bit. I have to convince myself to get dressed, and Lord knows there's more to getting dressed than we ever could stand here and talk about today, especially for a lot of people. I have to make a list. Man, I had to find my keys. I told them in the early service, I went out of a house yesterday, headed to a wedding, couldn't find my keys to come and unlock my office, to get my, to get my coat out. Man, for 30 minutes, I searched the house high and low for my keys. Finally, I had to call somebody that, that man could get me in down here to get my jacket. Just finding your keys. Man, you think that's simple. Some days that can entail a whole thing. You have to go to the car. You have to start the car. You have to drive the car. You have to park the car. You have to, to get out of the car. You have to go in the store. You have to shop. You have to stand in line. Then comes the moment of reckoning. You got you to gotta pay the bill. You got to load the car. You got to drive home. You got to unload the car. You got to take all the stuff in. You got to sort it. You got to put it away. And then you do it all over again after you've made the list of the things you forgot on this trip that you should have gotten in the first place. And for heaven's sake, if someone comes on the TV and says it might snow, you get back in the car and go to every grocery store you can and buy 75 gallons of milk and 53 loaves of bread. How I many of oh, hey, just you might not ever make it out alive from this snowstorm. Man, a lot more going on than meets the eye. And life is a process, to be sure. There's always a lot going on. Some things are complicated. Some things are very simple. Some things are lengthy. Some things are very quick and very brief in your life. But to be sure, life is a process. It's simultaneous processes going on all at the same time. Man alive, when we get to thinking about eternal life, we've got to understand that it too is a process. There are some things that happen very, very, very quickly. And there are some things that happen over time. There are some concepts that we're conscious of and we understand. And beloved, there's some things going on to say I'm saved that I don't even understand and I may not ever stand understand even when I get to the portals of glory to say I'm saved today is not a, a simple thing to say I'm saved today means a lot of things how many of y'all are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ that's a simple notion but let me tell you there's a whole lot going on underneath the surface and it's my goal as we look at Jesus Christ's life and His work in the role of salvation, we see that He is preeminent above all. That we take a brief look of some of the things that may be going on that He alone is responsible for under the surface in our redemption and salvation. There are several words, that things that Christ has done for us. I'm going to try to skin three or four of them out for you from this text as we undertake this thought together. And the first thing that we might see, though, before we understand any of them, is the fact that, that all that I'm going to talk about today is in the present tense. It's not a, uh, he might do these things, or, or one day he'll do these things, but the truth is, the, the text here says over and over, he has done these things. He has delivered us. He has translated us. We do have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is a finished work of Jesus Christ that I'm talking about today, when we talk about these words, think, man, I have these things in my life because of Jesus. Number one, the first word I want you to see is the word delivered, and I, and I have this thought attached to it, that he has rescued us. 
To say that you're saved means He's rescued you. Part of it means that He has delivered you. He's delivered me from what? Man, if you're going to be delivered or rescued, you have to be in a pretty much in a predicament for that to have any relevance to say you were rescued. And the Word says He's already rescued me from what? He rescued me from the power of darkness. Ephesians chapter 2 tells me that I was born under the control and in the kingdom of the prince and the principalities of this air. That I existed and had my conversation in the kingdom of darkness when I was born naturally into this world. I had no hope of ever escaping that kingdom or its consequences in my life. The only hope I ever had was that somebody come along somewhere and rescue me from the predicament that I was in. I watched on TV the other day a, a Coast Guard rescue. Man, I saw it as it was unfolding, and it intrigued me. What a world that we live in. You know, you, used to, you would have had to heard about it a couple days later if you were lucky, or, or maybe seen a photograph somebody snapped of what was going on. But I was able to watch this almost as it was unfolding on the news. And it was a ship out in a, in a rough and tumbling sea in a storm. It wasn't a giant ship or it wasn't a small ship. It was a pretty medium-sized ship. By the time the coverage had gotten there, the ship was already capsized. It had succumbed to the ocean. It's impetuous beating on it, and its power, the wind and the waves, had turned her over. If you look down from the helicopter where the film was, was, was originating from, you could see people standing on her hull, and you could even see other people swimming around out in the water. It so happened that the people were filming it was the United States Coast Guard. And there they were, and I watched as, as person after person sent line after line down there, and they took those people off of that hull, and they hauled them up into that helicopter, and they took them to safety. Some of those men and women were actually uh, jumping themselves into that rough and raucous sea just to make sure that those individuals who were there had every chance they could to live through this ordeal. Man, I watched, and, and I watched in awe. I thought about how much they had to practice, how much they had to be prepared for such a moment. It was what they had decided to do with our lives. There was one interview that was particularly telling at the end of it. I, I'm going to try to, to put it back in his words as best I can. They were interviewing a man sitting there, cold, tattered, worn, glad to be alive, and he uttered something like this. He said, these brave men and women have taught me today, this is what caught my hearing, the meaning of the word rescue in a different way. He said, essentially, we were dead. We had no hope of living through this experience apart from the efforts of these good men and women. He said, we thank them. We owe them our very lives. They willingly risked their own lives to save ours. They delivered us today from the jaws of death itself. And you see, that's akin to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because, you see, we were tossing in the sea of sin in the kingdom of darkness. The psalmist said, the cords of death were surrounding me, but my heavenly Father, he heard my cry for help. And you see, I was in that kingdom. I was in that self-same sea. And I had no hope of ever helping myself. I had no hope of ever escaping from the imminent death that was rightfully mine. But thanks be unto God that from heaven he looked down on me. And he said, I'm not going to leave him in that predicament. I'm going to send the best I have, my beloved son, Jesus Christ. And he's going to jump in the water where you are. And he's not only going to risk his life for you, he's going to give his life for your sake so that you might live. And beloved, what the word is telling us today is that one day we were caught up in the kingdom of darkness but the master of the sea himself decided that he would rescue us by his grace and his mercy thanks be unto God part of salvation today is deliverance my friend 
You have been rescued when you say you're saved today. I thought about even this morning as I was preparing in my spirit to bring what the Lord had for me to bring. The words of the old hymn, Love Lifted Me, just leapt to my mind. Doesn't it say, I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore. I was very deeply stained within and I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry from the waters he lifted me and what's the last words now safe am I beloved love did that for you today love in the person of Jesus Christ when you say you're saved today you ought to say thank you Jesus we owe you all we are we owe you our very lives today because when we were helplessly caught up in the kingdom of darkness your good hand came and rescued us How many of y'all are glad today that Jesus one day rescued you right where you are? Amen. The second word I want us to see, not only has he rescued us, that's what's meant by salvation. That's part of it. It's going on underneath the current. He has done that. We also see that he has relocated us. I like that. It says, man, he delivered us from the power of darkness. And look at this second word. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of his dear son. What an interesting rendering. It means the kingdom of the son that he dearly, dearly loves. That's the kingdom that I'm a part of today. How many of y'all can say you're part of the family of the living God today? You know why you are? It's because Jesus moved you in there. That's why. He took you from the kingdom that you once existed in, and he relocated you to a self-same another kingdom. And man, I'll tell you, the house and the place and the dwelling he has in the kingdom of his dear son for me, I'm never going to try to flip that. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? Hey, I'm going to stay right there throughout all eternity, beloved. How did I get there, man? Jesus Christ himself instantaneously, immediately, and irreversibly by faith translated, transferred me, moved me, relocated me into the kingdom of his dear son. Beloved, praise be unto God. I no longer reside today in the kingdom of the diabolical. I reside today in the kingdom of the divine. Was that something I decided to do? Did I call a U-Haul van and put my house up for sale in the kingdom of darkness? No, I didn't. That was something that the work of Jesus Christ accomplished on my behalf and when I say today that I'm born again part of what I'm saying is that I'm no longer a a part of the kingdom of darkness a part of the kingdom of this world I'm just a pilgrim doesn't the word teach us that and a stranger here headed toward another land where my citizenship really lies the kingdom of God caught up in his dear son It's not a kingdom of darkness, it's a kingdom of light. It's not a kingdom of judgment, it's a kingdom of grace and mercy. It's not a kingdom of death, it's a kingdom of life and life everlasting today. And because of Jesus, because of Jesus, I've been transferred, relocated, a part of his kingdom. I want you to note this before I ease on. There are only two kingdoms mentioned here. He says you're either going to be dwelling in the kingdom of darkness... Are you going to be dwelling in the kingdom of his dear son? There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. You're in one of those two kingdoms. And what makes the decision is not your effort or your goodness. What makes the decision is what have you done in light of the life-changing work and the person of Jesus Christ. 
The word says, man, he relocated me. Thank you, Jesus, for relocating me by your grace. Thirdly, I want you to look at the word redeem. In verse 14, it says, we have, there's that positive present finished work sense again. We have redemption through his blood, the King James renders it. We have redemption through his blood. By his blood, he has redeemed us. The word redemption simply means this in its simplest form. It means the price has been paid. It means the debt has been paid. How many of y'all are glad today that the price of your sin has been paid by way of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth? You know, sometimes we try to soft-pedal sin a little bit, but sin has a price, my friends. The Word tells us that the wages of sin is what? That's a high price. It's a price I don't want to pay. Praise be unto God, by faith I don't have to pay it. Why? Because Jesus shed his rich royal blood, which was more than enough to meet any debt I owe to anybody, anywhere, any way, any shape, and any form. When the word says he has redeemed me today, that means he paid the price for my sins. The word teaches us clearly, well, there is no death. There is no shedding of blood. There is no remission of sins. Salvation, beloved, today is a legal, logical transaction. You see, sin had a price, and it had to be paid. God didn't just simply forget sin. God didn't just simply weak at sin. God himself paid the price for our sins. I read a story of a, of a, a lady who was headed to a doctor for a series of treatments. She was rather ill. She spent many office visits, took many treatments, took much advice from him, many courses of medication, many procedures he, he performed on her to help he bring healing into her body. During this time, she began to talk to him about what it meant to know the Lord and what it meant, as we say, to be born again or to be saved or to have a relationship with God. And the doctor stuck to his guns the whole time, and he would tell her over and over, listen, here's what it means. Here's how you come to know the Lord. Here's what it means to be saved. You just tell the Lord you're sorry. You say, look, I know I've troubled you a lot, and the actions of my life have caused you much trouble and, and much problem. I know that you've had to spend a lot of time on me. And, Lord, I realize that, and I'm very sorry for that time you've had to spend on me. And, and I'm, I'm sorry for that, and as best I can, I'm never going to disappoint you again. And he said, if you do that, he'll just let that sin go and he won't hold it against you anymore. Well, this lady talked to him and talked to him and she found a way to kind of illustrate her position on it when the bill came to her house. She took it to the doctor's office with her and with her head bowed low, she said, sir, I appreciate all you've done for me. This bill is much too high for me to pay. I don't have the resources and never shall. If I live another 30 years, I never shall be able to repay you with what the bill for what you've given me. She said, I'm sorry for the trouble that I've caused you. I know that you spent many hours attending to me. I know that you've gone out of your way many times, and I'm really sorry for all the trouble that I've caused you. Here, here I can say, I promise you that I'm going to do my best never to do that again to you. And she handed him the bill and said, so far as I'm concerned, in your point of view, that takes care of the bill that I owe you and what did he say oh no wait a minute now we got to work out some financing options somewhere here somebody's got to pay this bill 
Well, let me tell you, God said he must be just and the justifier of those who trust in him. And beloved, it wasn't that God just winked at our sin. It wasn't that God just set it aside somewhere. No, the price had to be paid. And beloved, it was paid by the holy, only begotten Son of God when he shed his rich, royal blood on Calvary's cross for you and for me. And today we ought to thank the Lord to say that we're saved means the price has been paid. How many of y'all today by a hand clap you ought to would say thank you Jesus for paying the price for my sin once and for all on the cross of Calvary. He's worth that glory, worth that honor, and worth that praise. Last word I want you to see, salvation. When I say I have salvation, it also means that through Jesus he has brought relief to me. He's brought relief to me. I love this last word. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood. And this last little phrase, it says in the King James, even, even, think of it, even, the forgiveness of sins. And we all need that. Why? Because we know who we are. We know where we've been. Listen, you don't have to tell me who I am. I get up and look at it every morning in the mirror. I know myself too well. And I understand that apart from God, no good thing dwells in me. In my flesh, doesn't the word say, dwelleth no good thing, not some good thing or a little goodness. It says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. I know the things I've done. And yes, Jesus has paid the price, and I have trust him for that in my life. But I needed something more. I needed some relief in this. And you see, forgiveness means this, that he took our sins. And I love the way one writer rendered it. He said he sent them away from us. He sent away your sin. He took your sin and your shame away from you. He took that guilt that the enemy would like to throw on your back all the time to tell you how much you failed the Lord and how horrible a person you are and the thoughts that you shouldn't have had and the things that you shouldn't have done. I, I relate to Paul when he says this, my sin is, is ever before me. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't die in your place so you could still carry the weight of sin around with you on this planet. He died to bring you some relief, beloved. Because of the life and work of Jesus Christ today, I don't have to walk around here guilty. I don't have to walk around here beaten down. I can walk around here in the freedom and the joy that a relationship with him brings into my life. I can walk around here sure that the price for my sin has been paid and sure that it'll never come back to me again. Understanding that he who has paid the price for me has not only paid the price for my sin, he has set me free from the effects of my sin in my life. He has set me free from it. In reality, he's put me in a place where my sin just no longer exists before him. I think about this I heard one preacher that just stirred my heart and stirred my soul when he said it this way and I've never forgot it he said I picture the enemy of my soul at the throne of the living God today accusing me I picture him standing there saying God look at Stacy down there look at him look what he just did today look how miserably you call him one of your sons he he's a preacher of the gospel and look what he's thinking and look what he's doing down there look what he's gonna do in a year from now look what he's gonna do in 10 years from now how can you say that he belongs to 
to you? How can you say that you died for him? How can you say that this has made any difference in his life? Look at who he is and what he's doing. And he said, I picture God himself opening up the record books of heaven and looking up my name. And they're finding it and saying, you know, I see his name here, but all these things you're talking about, I don't see them listed here. All I see is one giant blood stain that covers everything he's ever been and everything that he's ever done in his life. And that, my friends, is forgiveness. It means I don't carry the weight of that anymore. I love it as well with my soul. He said, my sin, not in part, what? But the whole was nailed to the cross. And what did he say? I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. How many of y'all can say today you're thankful for the freedom that a relationship with Jesus Christ brings to you and the joy and privilege to walk in the free pardon of sin forgiven for everything that anybody could ever lay to your charge. How many of y'all could say thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord for that? To say you saved today means a lot. These are just a few of the things, and I tell you, I could preach from now until the Lord called me home, and I don't think we'd ever encapsulate what it means to have a relationship by grace through faith and repentance with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look into the Word in the next few weeks, and we're going to see some more of these things. This all came one way, and I love the King James rendering. In verse 14, it says, We have redemption. What are those three words? Through His blood. That's the agent of everything that we've talked about today. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.